Coming to you live from the basement of an abandoned house in the middle of a field, it's the Derek Izzy Show. Making history his story, Derek Izzy. You're listening to the Derek Izzy Show. Welcome back for another month of this great podcast. We have one in store for you this month. But have you had a chance to get your Derek Izzy Show swag yet? We got t-shirts, we got underwear, we got pillows. I love the little pillow. It's it's kind of a unique design. You can have the Derek Izzy Show taking you into dreamland every night. Just go to DerekIzzy.com, click on the swag store link, or click on the link in your show notes. Use promo code Izzy10, I-Z-Z-I-1-0. Take 10% off of your order. But let's say you do buy one of those pillows and you're having a rough night you've got an agonizing headache and you're trying to get to sleep you check the medicine cabinet there's nothing for your headache so now you've got to go out and buy something as you walk down the aisle of the store you see different brands you see the store brand of ibuprofen you see Aleve you see acetaminophen Tylenol, Advil, all the different brand names. But does it matter? You just want something that's going to stop this agonizing pounding in your head. You settle on a bottle of Excedrin. I mean, after all, this is supposed to be powerful stuff that will get rid of any headache, right? You purchase the bottle and you take it home with you. Now you trust that the product you're about to ingest has made it through all of these critical safety measures you trust that the product is going to work and not cause further damage you trust that the manufacturer has taken all the necessary steps to protect you from any unforeseen circumstances related to this product but what would happen if there was a gap in this process what if the manufacturer failed to safely pack the product What if the store had failed to protect the product on the display? When you purchase items like this in a store, you assume that the safety precautions have been taken and you put your trust into the company that sells the product. Has that trust been earned? What if you took this product and got really sick? How would you know what made you sick? Would you assume that the Excedrin you took made you sick? Or would your first instinct be, maybe it was something you ate for dinner? Maybe it was someone you had an encounter with that you got sick from them? Where would your mind go in that situation? Or worse yet, what would people think? What would your family think if you suddenly got sick and nobody knew why? Was the agonizing headache the first symptom? 
Was it a symptom of something else that was going to be progressively worse? Is it something that's fatal? At what point do you realize that it's too serious to handle on your own and you need medical attention? Born on August 7th, 1943. The topic of our podcast was a native of Oregon. Her early childhood was quite poor. While she grew up in poverty, she definitely exhibited some of the characteristics that are stereotyped to those who grow up in poverty. Some of the family issues that she grew up with were definitely significant. She had her first child at age 16. Being 16 years old, she really didn't know how to raise a child, and she definitely was not prepared for the role of mother. And it's not like she was mature for a 16-year-old. After giving birth to this child, she up and left. She moved out to California. It looked like she had a chance to start a new life, but that would not happen. She was convicted of several crimes, including fraud, forgery, and her temper even led her to be charged with spousal abuse. She was definitely far from being mother of the year, but everyone sees different characteristics as being attractive. And in 1974, she met a man who would fall in love with her. He was an alcoholic. With her temper and his alcoholism, they were kind of meant for each other. Two years later, they got married. During this marriage, her husband went through a lot of changes. He really tried to better himself, and that he did. He stopped drinking. But in her eyes, this was not something that she liked. Being drunk with her husband was something that she really enjoyed doing, going out to the bars with him. And now that he's sober, that fun activity is no longer fun. She became quite bored with the new sober husband, and she was no longer satisfied within the marriage. Years later, the couple had moved to Washington State. The husband was now sober and doing well at his job. But one night, he came down with an excruciating headache. He got home from work, and he went for the Excedrin. Several minutes after taking the Excedrin, he collapsed on the floor. His wife called for an ambulance, and he was rushed to the hospital. The workers at the hospital did everything they could to revive him and save him, but they were unable to. They asked the wife what had happened. She was only able to tell them. He walked out on the deck to watch the birds, and in that peaceful moment, he suddenly collapsed. Doctors ruled the death natural causes, citing emphysema as one of the health issues contributing to his death. But this left the topic of our podcast all alone. Because the death had occurred by natural causes, the life insurance money did not pay out. This did not qualify as an accidental death because the insurance policy would not pay out if the death naturally occurred. A couple weeks later, a bank manager had a headache early in the morning. She went and got two capsules of Excedrin for her headache. And later that morning, her daughter found her collapsed on the floor of the bathroom. She barely had a pulse. 
Unfortunately, she never regained consciousness. The paramedics rushed her to the hospital, but there was nothing they could do. The daughter, who was 15 at the time, describes it as she heard a thump and she could hear there was water running. When she rushed into the bathroom, she found her mom's eyes wide open and the fingers on her hands were bent and frozen in place. She could tell her mom was still breathing, though. When police arrived, they searched the family home. They tried to figure out what happened, and it was ruled that she died of cyanide poisoning. But why? She was a bank manager. Did she have enemies? Did she upset someone, maybe a wealthy client at the bank, or a client who wasn't wealthy that was very upset about being denied for a loan? Who would poison this seemingly innocent bank manager. Once news broke of these two deaths from bottles of Excedrin, there was a nationwide recall. The public was scared. Could other brands be affected? Is it safe to take anything? How did cyanide get inside bottles of Excedrin? After this second death, seemingly after taking Excedrin, the topic of our podcast came back into the light she asked that her husband's death be reinvestigated because he had taken Excedrin just like the bank manager. Could there be something else that caused his death other than emphysema? The FBI came in to investigate. During their investigation, they found green crystals mixed in with cyanide. The green crystals came from an algae destroyer. That was a product that was used to keep fish tanks clean. One of the clauses in the insurance policy was that if the husband, who was the first to die, had actually died by accident, including being poisoned, well, that would pay out an extra $100,000. But this doesn't really make sense. Why would the topic of our podcast poison her husband and poison a random bank manager? Was there a connection? Was there some kind of affair going on between the couples? It turns out, this was all part of an elaborate plan. The topic of our podcast did poison her husband, and she wanted the life insurance money. She realized that she needed the death to be ruled accidental or poisoned in order to collect that big insurance check. In order to prove that he was poisoned since they missed it on the first autopsy, she decided to poison several other bottles of Excedrin with cyanide and she staged them in different stores. The idea behind this was that others would die of this cyanide poisoning. She would collect the insurance money and because all of the different bottles of Excedrin were killing people in different areas and in different towns, the focus of the investigation would be put on the factory. When you have multiple people dying from poisoning and they have no common source other than they're all ingesting Excedrin, the logical place for the investigation to go is against the company that's making the Excedrin. During the course of the investigation, 
Several of the manufacturers of Excedrin came together and offered a reward of $300,000 to capture the person responsible for these deaths. And the public turned on these companies. The topic of our podcast even filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Bristol-Myers. The FDA got involved and started inspecting the plant where the tainted Excedrin had been packaged. But everywhere they looked, they found no cyanide. During the course of the investigation, they were able to find other bottles that were contaminated. With the FBI coming to the conclusion that contamination at the factory was not the cause, the FBI started going after the product tampering theory. The topic of our podcast was asked to come in to take a polygraph test. She declined, saying that she was too shaken up and didn't want to be put through that. With the $300,000 on the line, someone came forward. The daughter of the topic of our podcast, the daughter that she had when she was 16, would come forward and collect the $300,000. She would testify against her mother, and her mother would be sentenced to jail, responsible for the death of her husband and of the bank manager. The topic of our podcast denied being responsible for these two deaths up until recently. More recently, she has come clean and confessed to everything that she's done. She was sentenced to 90 years in prison. At the time of this podcast, the topic is 78 years old and still in prison, still trying to be released, still getting denied for early release, being single-handedly responsible for widespread public panic and going through years of denial saying she was innocent the whole time up until recently in 1982 the FDA brought on new regulations that made it a federal crime to tamper with consumer products and while she is still in jail serving her sentence she was not convicted of murder now she claims to have severe health issues and she cannot receive the medical care that she needs, and she needs to get out in order to be treated. She says that she's no longer a danger to society, and that she's obeyed all of the officers and staff while in prison, and her behavior has been exemplary. She says, I am accused of not knowing the moral wrong I committed. Nobody knows better than I the depth of my heinous offense and how deeply it goes against the accepted standards of conduct. I am most remorseful for being responsible for the loss of two human lives. She says that she prays for forgiveness. A spokesperson from the county prosecuting attorney's office said that while the topic of our podcast was not prosecuted for murder, now that we know the crime's reached the level of murder there is no statute of limitations on murder and if the federal investigators refer the murder case to them they will proceed with it could she be released as part of a compassionate release situation maybe the u.s attorney's office stated that there is a legal error with this petition for early release 
And that is because the compassionate release situation does not apply. Crimes committed before 1987 fall under a previous law that requires the Bureau of Prisons to actually file the petition. And as of the recording of this podcast, the U.S. Attorney's Office has said they have received no such petition. If you're interested in more information, the topic of our podcast has had many crime shows, documentaries, and books written about her. In fact, one of the authors of one of these books, when referring to her case, reminds us that she didn't want notoriety. All she wanted was a tropical fish store. And it looks like that's what she was going to do with the money from the life insurance policy. The topic of today's podcast was Stella Nickel, because now you know the rest of the story. And in knowing that story, you know the discount code IZZI10IZZI10. Go to the swag store, get your 10% off. And until next time, good day. Thank you.